This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, parents. Welcome back to another episode of The Wonder of Parenting, a brain science approach to parenting. We're so glad to have you with us. I'm here along, as always, with Dr. Michael Gurian. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you. Welcome. We are uh, glad to be sponsored by our friends up in the Seattle area, uh, Greg Jantz and his great staff up there at the Center, A Place of Hope. And they deal with a lot of different issues that uh, uh, can oftentimes be challenging for us, and sometimes we need some extra help. And if that might be you or a family member, for example, uh, they do a lot of work with people who uh, struggle with anxiety. I'm an anxiety sufferer myself uh, and have worked through that. And uh, sometimes we need extra help. And if anxiety is one of those issues, uh, check out A Place of Hope. And so you can do that on our website, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. And there's a link to A Place of Hope uh, to learn more information about them. There's a place for you to submit questions to the podcast, which we'll be getting back to again uh, next episode. And um, there's also resources that you can learn about. And then Michael does uh, some extra stuff for those of you who want to go a little deeper in the topic um, with the Wonder of Parenting uh, community on Patreon. Michael, what do they get for $10 a month? Well, yeah, uh, go to wonderofparenting.com and you'll see the link there and then you'll see a list of things. Um, the video clips I do the first week of every month, I do video clips just for our, our members. So that's you people if you join. Uh, then there's the Dad Matters book that you get from Tim and ebook. There's uh, access to the online course, the parent online course, and the Gurian community there. Uh, so, so quite a bit actually for the ten dollars a month. So we invite you to stop by and check it out. Maybe try it out for a month, see if you like it, and uh, if not, that's okay too. So uh, we're glad to have you with us, uh, and we're we're sort of doing a part two to something we started in the last episode. We talked about how to build a thriving marriage when kids enter into that marriage. What we want to talk about today is when a marriage ends or when a couple ends up getting divorced and there are children, and uh, how do you navigate that? Uh, There's so much pain involved already. And then uh, how do you help your kids thrive and continue to thrive uh, when mom and dad or, uh, you know, if you're uh, same-sex relationship, uh, when parents uh, are no longer married to each other? So, Michael, we're going to ask you once again to put your therapist hat on. And let's just start kind of big picture. And uh, what are some of the things that over the years you've, you've seen that uh, parents want to be aware of uh, when it comes to divorce and the impact on children? Yeah, there's, of course, so much there. Um, the, the first thing is, in terms of the best research we have out there, you know, uh, it, it doesn't necessarily say, okay, kids, kids are better off if parents stay married uh, or kids are better off if parents break up. The, and the pop culture kind of uses that as a duality, but um, it's a bit of a false duality. 
And specifically, and I'll, and I'll break it down a bit here, but specifically what I think the research is sound on is that kids, when parents' marriages break up, the kids do better if the parents can work through their anger toward each other and not not bring it into the parenting of the kids. So not turn one parent against the other, uh, or turn the children against one parent, you know, or the other. Uh, not be saying to the kids, he or she is a bad person and here's why, or he or she is a failure and here's why. Uh, and generally, the couple has broken up because of lack of emotional fulfillment. Um, that's the predominant reason that people uh, file for divorce, irreconcilable differences. Of, now, it, uh, of the marriages that break up, around 10% the marriages have have broken up because of abuse, because of violence, uh, parental incarceration, one of the parents is incarcerated. So around 10% are cases where, where it's, it's, you know, hard for one parent not to say about the other parent, okay, that's, that's bad stuff. He was beating me up, you know, that's bad stuff. So that we're going to bracket that out in what we're saying here, because that's going to, that it's be natural to point out the flaw in that parent to the kids. Um, but in the other 90% of cases, the, the breakup has been largely about lack of emotional fulfillment and underneath that umbrella would come adultery. So it would come stepping out of the marriage, um, which is a reason that people break up. Um, but some of that is happening because the couple themselves have become distant from each other or one person in the couple uh, is just really is hit with the non-monogamy genetics, which if you want to ask me about, I can go into that. I go into that in my books. Um, and and that couple's not emotionally fulfilled, break, breaking up. So in those cases, it's just so, so important, which is the majority of breakups. It's so important for the parents not to pit the kids against one of the other parents and not to shame the other parent. Uh, I think there's a long way around of saying on that, the research is really clear. So that would be point one. Should we break right. that down or should I go to the next one? Uh, yeah, let's go to point two and then we'll come back and circle around. Okay. So then point two is going to be the um, uh, child custody. That's yes. the other, that's, you know, I put that next on the list of where, where research is pretty clear on what works best for the kids. So if we bracket out the 10 or some part people would argue 12% of marriages that have broken up because of, as we said, violence, abuse, those factors. If we bracket them out and we're dealing with the others, um, uh, in general, shared custody is important to look at. Now, there are going to be individuals who are not capable of raising kids. Um, it is possible that a breakup has happened because one of the partners is simply not capable. That partner may be... Um, you know, maybe addicted or near addicted to a substance, um, that person may just be really lazy and may not be caring about the kids. Uh, so there are all sorts of things that can happen. Um, but if possible, if possible, shared custody is best uh, if we're not in these cases. And so now we're down to about, you know, we're down to 70 to 80 percent. Around 80 percent shared custody is going to be possible and is going to be best. And, uh, so if possible, I'd like to see the parents fight for that and not to get in the way of the other partner getting the uh, useful custody. And that's going to mean lawyers and money. All of that has to be done differently. 
then it's done now, right? Because custody is used as part of the leverage to get money. And so couples are gonna have to say, wait a minute, shared custody is best. Let's figure out another way to get leverage because we really want these kids to have access to that other parent. Um, okay, and then number three would be then within the bounds of the parents raising the kids together because they're still together, even though they're divorced. They're still raising kids together. So within those bounds, then they need to break down and really look at, delineate how they're going to do this. What are the best practices for raising kids together? And um, even though they're living separately and and uh, having exactly the same parenting styles, as we mentioned before, is not really necessary. Dad can do things his way. Mom can do things her way. And we don't have to get involved in constantly critiquing the way the other person parents, um, uh, uh, unless that other parent is teaching values that are, you know, that are abhorrent and that are bad values and we can attack them as bad values, then, okay, we can really be saying to the other parent, come on, you know, like for instance, here's one that I've heard a lot in my practice. Um, when, when so-and-so is at my house, so when my son Adam is at my house, I, we're doing his homework. We're having hygiene, basic hygiene, ABC. When he's at your house, you're not doing any of those things. There isn't hygiene. His homework's not getting done. Mm -hmm. All you're doing is playing video games. Well, let's say that's true. If that's true, then that has to change. And, you know, and one of the ways that will probably change is shared custody, because most of the time this complaint is, le is, is, um, uh, given when there isn't shared custody, when usually it's the dad that's being complained about and when he's only has the kids one or two or maybe three days a month, then he, he basically has to be their friend because he hardly sees them just to stay bonded. But if there's shared custody, then, you know, I really feel like in this example I gave, it would be the mom who would be saying to the dad, come on, this is not fair. You're not teaching the same values. Uh, we need to teach the same values. So that would be the big category three. The parenting styles don't have to be the same, but you know, let's still fight for the same good values. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So before we dive into some of that, um, and I know that you've done counseling with children of divorce, what are what are some of the things that that children tend to perceive in divorce that maybe we as as parents need to be a bit more aware of? Uh, you know, I often hear people say, "Well, kids are resilient; uh, they'll survive this." Uh, but that's not necessarily the case. 
uh, I've, as a pastor, I don't do a lot of counseling, but I've certainly met with a lot of people whose lives were, uh, as adults, are still being shaped by the fact that their parents divorced when they were kids and it wasn't handled well. So from a kid's perspective, what are some of the things that they're thinking, what are they feeling uh, in big, broad terms when mom and dad or mom or mom or dad and dad get divorced? Yeah. Well, the, uh, you know, the big... When, when, when surveys ask kids if they want their parents to be divorced, um, what kids tend to say, if they're, okay, if their parents are fighting all of the time, that's a category. And if the parents are constantly fighting and it keeps seeming to be on the edge of, of even violence, you know, it never gets to violence, but they're fighting that much. Those kids tend to say, absolutely, we, we, want, we want to have our parents divorced. We don't want to be living with that. And it's causing us trauma and harm. And, and I believe they're right. So, um, but even in those cases, what, what I ask parents to look at and what I think most of us ask parents to look at is separate for a year, live separately for a year, um, try to work all of this out separately, get rid of it so that the anger is dissipated separately. So then you can see if you ought to divorce. Because the other thing that kids say is, uh, and this tends to happen a year after the parents' divorce. Oh, I wish my parents had stayed together, right? But the, but when the parents were fighting all the time, of course, it was too uncomfortable. But then they, you know, now it's a year later, let's say, and they're shepherded back and forth between houses and things are inconsistent and, and parents are now fighting. Even though they're divorced, they're fighting about the kids still, right? And they're fighting about money. And so, so kids are saying, um, well, I wish they had stayed together. And and this is the tension that the kids live in. The kids are, are, you know, in the aggregate are living in that tension. Now, the divorces you said that are handled well, and I want to go back to what I said initially, which is the research is, is good on kids who where the divorce is handled well. And they're not having the fighting and the parents are not attacking each other and shaming each other. And the parents are really trying to uplift each other in the eyes of the children. Um, that is the best way to go. And those kids seem to suffer the least from divorce. And I am using the word suffering because there's no way in which divorce will not be a trauma to the child's developing brain. It will. We all have to admit that. It will be a trauma. But that trauma is definitely less. And the the basic resilience of kids, which does exist and which you referred to, the basic resilience of kids can, you know, can shine through even more if the parents handle the divorce well. and we, we ought not, I don't think, get into ideological camps where divorce is good or divorce is not good. It's really about, let's try separation first, then we move to divorce if divorce is necessary, and then the way we handle the divorce has its effects on the kids. And, um, and those will be, hopefully will be positive effects and the trauma will be dissipated. So for kids, as they're moving forward through the process, parents should be ready for anger you know, so kids being angry um, and having more anger episodes. There's potential, some school falling behind in school, some issues in school. There's more potential after the divorce for kids to get into substances. Um, and what they're doing is they're self-medicating, especially if they have the addiction genetics or anything like those genetics. They, those kids would be more likely, right, to be looking for substances, pot, booze, uh, you know, if, if they're of the age of that, um, some more addiction, some having more sex, uh, having sex too early. Uh, all of these things can happen after parents divorce because the, that individual child's brain will be dealing with the trauma and it'll be dealing with how to um, 
it'll be dealing with the raised stress hormone levels um, and they will be raised through well they certainly would have been raised when the parents were fighting all the time and then they'll be also those stress hormone levels will be raised um, during the process of the divorce and then if the parents are still fighting the stress hormone hormone levels will be raised so and and the parents could end up fighting for the rest of kids childhoods so you know a lot of trauma there stress hormone levels uh and 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 why why can't a child's brain say hey uh, my parents didn't love each other and they got divorced uh as the kids get older they can look back on it but during that time it's very hard for their brains for their hearts and souls to be less clinical to not feel that they're at fault that is so difficult for kids yes. so the message for parents of course will be and we got to say this verbally and through love and affection will be you are not the reason we divorced you know this is why we divorced i'm going to tell you very honestly this person slept with someone else and i tried to work with that and we tried to work with that and we spent a year in therapy trying to work with that but it did not change that's okay that honesty is okay we can be honest and not shame the other par partner in the eyes of the child we can say to the child that person did this but that person is still a good father, good mother. Or, um, you know, she was, this. I hear a lot of this from men. Women don't realize this, I don't think, but uh, very often men will say, she was shaming me constantly. She was mm -hmm. never satisfied with me. She was always criticizing me, always attacking me and shaming me constantly. This went on for so many years. What could I do? I finally had to get divorced. Well, it's okay for that person to say to kids, if they're of the age, they can understand it. To say, you know, the reason we got divorced was this. I was not satisfactory to your mom in the way I loved. I tried to change it. I couldn't. She was very hard on me about that. I couldn't, you know, I'm not going to shame her for that. We just, we were not a match. I couldn't satisfy her. You know, this is why we divorced. It was not your fault. <laughs> so it, it, we can be honest with kids because kids are smart. They get it. They already know. A 12-year-old already knows if one parent is constantly shaming the other or if one parent is stepping out, a 14-year-old absolutely knows, you know, can sense that this is about adultery or something like that. So, so we can be honest with them without shaming the other partner. Um, uh, and, and because what we're going to do is we're going to help them to not feel that they are at fault. Yeah, and that's so important. And, and as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, uh, if, I've never been divorced, you've not been divorced. Um, but but you, as a therapist, you work with these situations. As a pastor, I certainly work with them. I've had family members who've been through divorce. And I, I think about uh, divorced parents who've already got, uh, you know, heartbreak because their marriage didn't work or anger. Uh, and uh, But the one thing that both the parents probably agree on is they really love their kids. And uh, so what are some yeah. things, you know, in, in addition to... Um, you know, joint custody and all those things. In terms of uh, the, these two divorcing parents or divorced parents, uh, what are some things that they should be talking about together um, in, in civil ways about their children and setting goals? How, how can we uh, help at least make that a win-win in what is oftentimes such a, a, a painful, uh, gut-wrenching experience? Uh, okay, yeah, let me give a few bullets. I'm going to say uh, if folks, you know, that there are a lot of, like The Good Divorce is a good book out there. There are a number of good books out there to help. Um, a few bullets. One would be if if the child is showing signs of acting out or of 
oh, you know, of addiction or self-medicating or, or any of the things that, you know, we, we know are issues, um, then let's get into counseling and let's, as parents agree to that and say, we want to have this child in counseling and, um, and we're not going to fight each other on that. You know, we're going to agree that this child needs counseling because the child has shown the signs of the acting out and of the anger behavior and of the post-divorce trauma, you know, PTSD. And we want to help the child with that. So I would, I would put that at the top of the list because, you know, one of the things therapists are really good at and counselors are really good at is helping kids of divorce. We have a lot of practice with it and we can, we can help them. So I put counseling top of the list. Can I interrupt for just a second? Should, should a, a couple be proactive if they know they're going to be divorced and they know there's no way the marriage is going to work, should they begin the process of counseling with their kids at that point? I think it'd be great. Yes, absolutely. The trauma, the kid's trauma level is up. Um, uh, it's going to be up for years. So, um, and it's going to dissipate some after the breakup and after their lives stabilize again and, you know, and the parents are friends again. Um, but we can help that by, yes, having, having counseling start a priori or beforehand, uh, before the divorce, um, during the separation, uh, or whenever the kids start acting out to get them into counseling. So yes, that, that would be great before the divorce. Um, and then a second thing is then we need lists. These parents need, we need to be making lists of what, okay, here's what's happening at my house. Can these things happen at your house? Um, oh, you're doing that. Okay. I'm going to try to do that as well. Or you're doing that. Okay. That doesn't have to go on my list. Um, but like we gave the example of homework, you know, kids doing their homework should be on both lists and, um, uh, um, Responding to kids' trauma should be on both lists. Asking kids, um, uh, you know, you did this thing at school, you got suspended, why? Both parents being involved in in helping with that. Um, that needs to be on, on both lists. So we need to have lists that show some things are separate that the parents, the other parents going to do, but I'm not going to do. And then some things both parents are going to do, and those are going to be in terms of the basic values and the basic needs of the kids. Uh, so, so I would say make those lists. And then, uh, you know, I would put number three to always be checking in with our child on what the child is feeling and to have the big conversations with the child, not be afraid of them. Like I've had to coach and I have been in the room when, um, uh, and it's not just guys. I mean, women, women are stepping out on marriages too. Um, where this mom or this dad and the, the child is in the room and we're facilitating conversation about that. Of course, this is only good for teens or kids who are at the developmental level when they can um, uh, understand that. But it's that's important. It's important to have these honest conversations and elicit from kids their feelings. And, and you know, the child will say, well, I hate you for that. I hate that you went and did that. And that's what broke up my marriage, or my, my, you know, my childhood your marriage. And that person has to be able to say, okay, I hear you. I want to talk to you about it. Here's what happened for me. It had nothing to do with you. This is what happened for me. I didn't love your mom or your dad anymore. Uh, I loved this other person. I, I get that it was, you know, in some ways morally wrong, but this is what happened. You know, what do we do now? So this is, these are very important conversations to have. And I would not hide uh, even an incarcerated parent has to have the conversations with the kid because our job is about helping this child now to grow up well. 
Our job is no longer to take care of our spouse. We have divorced our spouse. So there will be some financial considerations, but we're not, we don't have to emotionally take care of our spouse. Our job is to emotionally try to take care of this child. And that will mean that kind of honest conversation about what he or she is feeling. This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I think about all the relationships that are impacted. Um, when a marriage ends, and of course the issue of grandparents and um, uncles and aunts and, and friendships, uh, you know, dad's friends and mom's friends. Uh, but what about school? How can parents uh, who are divorced or getting divorced, how can they help uh, the schools with their kids and their kids with their schools? Yeah. Uh, one of the things is, is we've talked about already is to just sort of make sure homework's getting done, make sure that the child is still, is still, you know, working to succeed in school and, um, and that we're co-parenting on that to make sure that that's happening. If it's not happening, if the child is not succeeding, then we both need to go in and talk to the school, you know, if possible, uh, if logistically possible, both go in, maybe not at the same time, if we can't do that because we're fighting, but but separately to go in and talk to the school and sensitize the teachers and the counselors about what our child's going through, the divorce we're going through, what our child's going through, elicit help, make the school counselors kind of like extended family, you know, tell them, tell them everything. It's all confidential. And then so they can reach out like an aunt or an uncle, a mentor, and as a counselor to the child. Uh, so I think making the school aware is important and um, keeping consistent values at home with with helping kids through schoolwork. If none of this is working, you know, if the child is still significantly acting out and is still uh, even is becoming addicted or is getting into substances or is seriously depressed, um, you know, then we may have to look at psychiatric help and that may mean meds, that may mean seeing psychiatrists. It's, and the school, the child's relationship with school is a precursor um, you know, to our understanding how traumatized the child is and how, how the child may need psychiatric help. Because sometimes the kid is trying to act okay for us, but when the child goes to school, it's really clear what's going on, that the work's not getting done, that the child is just zoned out, depressed. And, uh, you know, then the people in the school can help us trigger psychiatric help. So would you recommend that uh, when parents are in the process of divorce that the teacher or the school gets a heads up so they know that the uh, the student may be experiencing some trauma? Yeah, I would say whatever is not confidential information, uh, let's get it to those teachers, to that staff, so they're alerted and so they can help and so they don't 
like misread the child's signals, you know, like a, a child gets angry in a classroom, if the, if the teacher doesn't know, okay, the parents are right now going through a very difficult divorce, then the teacher doesn't have that information. And so we'll just maybe just punish the child, you know, but, but as, but the teachers have that information, they understand that. So maybe now they can call the child, uh, you know, after you've got to stay after class, I'm going to talk to you after class. Uh, you know, you still had to go to the principal for that behavior that was inappropriate, but um, I, I'm not going to push for your suspension on that. I want to talk to you. How can I help you? You know, it's going to be a different conversation because the teachers and the counselors and the administrators understand that the child is now in a kind of trauma situation and um, trauma informed care is going to be useful for this child. Now, remember, not every divorce situation creates trauma like at this level with this child. We don't want to be saying to folks, okay, every child from every divorce is, you know, going to become clinically depressed and, and traumatized in this way. But but uh, at the same time, it is such a it can be such a trauma for a child that letting the school know can make or break part of the child's journey through the trauma and back to stability. So the 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 takeaway from today is regardless of why the marriage didn't work, what all the issues are, how the parents are getting along or not getting along, uh, what we want to focus on is. Uh, these precious children that they both still love passionately. And uh, Michael's given us some great insights into at least thinking about what we need to do, you know, with uh, as much co-parenting as possible, uh, having similar values, keeping up to speed with each other about how the kids are doing, letting the teachers know. And these are all really important things. Getting counseling, of course, that can they can help uh parents whose marriage didn't work out uh, to help their kids continue to thrive and grow and what can be challenging for them as well. Um, so, Michael, as we wrap this one up, any other last words you have for parents who uh, are uh, parenting uh, with a partner they're no longer married to? Well, I don't know. I, I mean, if I had to distill one thing out, you know, as a last thought, it would be really rely on others as you're going through a divorce, mm, um, rely on other people to help you with your kids. And I think we've looked at ways like psychiatric health counselors, teachers, of course, rely on the other parent to help raise the child. And and you just kind of briefly mentioned, and I think it's worth saying that grandparents, aunts, uncles, um, what we call extended family, uh, or, or some of us call the tribe, you know, or that, sur that surrounds a child, I call it the three family system, rely on all three families now in ways that when you were a nuclear family constellated as you were constellated you may not have relied as much on them uh, you may but you may not have you may have been so focused on your spouse and your kids that you didn't need to you felt rely on these other people faith communities another example of, of a community to rely on but now as the marriage breaks up i think especially for a year or two um uh and and perhaps for life be calling grandparents and you know, and aunts and uncles, and if they're not around, uh, extended family of some other kind, like the co-op family, the co-op moms, the co-op dads, uh, find these and and uh, put some of the weight of parenting this child, put some of the weight on these other people who really care about your child too. They are an undefined asset for people who are going through divorce, especially 
because what we haven't mentioned is people who go through divorce, they can become very clinically depressed themselves. Right. They can pull away from parenting in ways they don't want to, but that they're just not, the brains are not able right now to be as active. Um, they're getting help for that, especially for them, rely on these other people. But even for people who are not facing a clinical condition through the divorce, um, it's great to get coaches involved, great to get teachers, great to get grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, get these other people involved as, as much as you can to help. And that, that's such a great insight because these uh, the parents who are divorced or divorcing, uh, they didn't enter their marriage saying, yeah, we can't wait till this thing ends. Uh, they're going through their own trauma, right. plus really caring about the trauma of their kids. There's a lot on their plates, and that's where other folks uh, helping them out, it, it, particularly with the raising of their kids and getting their own emotional help can can at least uh, be a step toward some healing as they uh, they look toward their future. So, Michael, this is, as always, really good stuff. It's such important stuff, and and um, we uh, hope that you'll be joining with us again next week uh, as we pick up another theme here on The Wonder of Parenting. Please check out our website where you can learn more about uh, some of our resources. It's wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com. Resources available, a place to ask questions, a link to our sponsor, uh, a place of hope, and, of course, to Patreon with uh, the monthly subscription service we offer, and a link to our Facebook page as well. Michael, again, thank you so much. Hey, thank you, Tim. Thanks for making this happen, and thanks, everybody. Yep, thanks for listening, and uh, please tell your friends about it, and we will join you again next time. So I I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.